Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meet Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode number 144. With Tom Beekbane, author and president of Beekbane Brand Strategies and Communications, who has helped generate over $5 billion in brand value for his clients and discover a new way to see the world. On this episode, we'll take a mind-altering journey into his new book, How to Understand Everything, Consilience, A New Way to See the World. There's a new way to understand human beings and everything else, and it's known as consilience. Consilience is a new paradigm that reveals how things self-organize from the bottom up in contrast to how we think and communicate, which is from the top down. This new paradigm exposes the realities of human nature on both personal and collective levels, revealing the overlap between different domains of life, family, health, business, technology, politics, and spirituality. Consilience will help you to see things differently and make people less puzzling. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now living in Arizona, United States, and like many of our listeners, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high-performance strategies in our schools, sports, and workplace with specific ideas that we can all use, understand, and implement for improved results. When I first came across Tom Beekbane, his work caught my attention as it was right in line with our episode 143 with Dr. John Leaf on the secret language of cells. Tom wrote me some feedback on one of my LinkedIn posts and shared his book with me. And when I started to read his book, How to Understand Everything, I saw many of the connections to past speakers, but I was also left with so many questions that I didn't understand. I started to think about the questions I would ask Tom during our interview, and for the first time in an interview process, I actually reached out to the author and said, I'm not sure I have a solid grasp of your book. And he gave back some more interviews, some different angles, some different ways of looking at how to understand everything that really helped me to make the connections. I can't wait to hear what Tom Beekbane has to say during our interview, bringing to light this new way of thinking and looking at the world. And I hope you find this information as fascinating as I have. Welcome, Tom Beekbane. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. We're here to talk about your book, How to Understand Everything, Consilience, A New Way to See the World. Thank you so much for being here today. It's wonderful to be with you, Andrea. Thank you. We have so much in common, Tom, so I, I cover it in the backstory, but it's just wonderful to finally meet someone that was born in England and now in Toronto. So our paths have, who knows, they might have crossed at some point. Sure. They, they could very well have, uh, because, uh, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the libraries at York University in Toronto, and I know you have as well. Uh, 
Did you spend any time at the gyms? Because I wasn't as much in the library as I was in the gyms. In the swimming pools, yes. <laughs> yes, wonderful. Well, let's get right into the questions here. So I'm sure you saw from my communication with you this past week that you could see that I was finding it difficult to come up with some questions for you. And I do want to have a solid understanding of someone's book before I cover an interview, before we speak. And your book is called How to Understand Everything. Why do you think I found this topic difficult? And it's also right in line with my prior interviews. What is this new way of thinking and looking at the world? And why do you think I'm having a hard time seeing it? Well, the, the book is uh, about epistemology. Uh, and I never use that word, but it, it's about how we understand. It's about how the brain works. And I, I wrote it because I'm in marketing communications. Uh, I've been running a company for over 35 years. We've done 20,000 odd projects. And, and, and I've believed that it would be useful for me to really understand what communications is all about and how the human brain works and how to change people's mind and persuade them. And, and so uh, I started to look at psychology textbooks to try and figure out if they could help me. And I realized that they couldn't. And so um, I, 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 as I'm so deeply interested in science, I, re I realized that there are so many aspects of the way the world works and how science works and how uh, nature works that we, we really understand very little. But as I'm a marketing person, I didn't want to write a book uh, called, uh, you know, the more, the, the, the more you learn, the, the, the less you realize you know. So um, I, I, I wrote this bombastic title and it, and it, it does irritate uh, sort of high-educated people. Um, it, and it should have a little asterisk saying uh, that, that the, the book isn't about how to understand everything. The book is, is actually about how to understand our mind and our brain. And, and that is how we at, at least attempt to understand everything, or at least think we know how to understand things when uh, most of the time our understanding is fairly superficial. Got it. Got it. And so I've been so interested in the topic of mind versus brain. And I even recorded an episode after studying Dr. Dan Siegel for so many years. We did episode 23 when we first launched this podcast. And I actually asked Dr. John Leaf this question in my past episode. But can you give your perspective of what is our mind versus our brain so we can start to figure out how we use our mind and our brain? Sure. This is where I'm going to start to mess with your with your mind, Andrea. All right. Because, because um, I, I make a, a, a sharp distinction between things that actually exist and, and ideas. And, and so when you're thinking about the brain from a scientific standpoint, I believe it's very important to uh, recognize what neurotransmitters are, what nerves are, what neurons are, um, how all the systems work, like how our eyes work and our ears work. Uh, and, and they can be, in my view, understood very matter-of-factly. 
because scientists these days have discovered so much about how everything works uh, with, without the need to resort to metaphysics and, and uh, strange theories. And so, and, and this is where it's, where you're going to think, oh, who, who is this crazy person you're talking to? Uh, so, so when it comes to actually seeing what is happening inside the brain, one, one discovers that there's nothing called information. There's nothing like information in there. And indeed, this thing that we think of as memory, you know, where you're uh, somehow grasping some non-physical, almost spiritual thing, just, just isn't how the whole uh, brain works. The, the brain and, and everything in our body is, is very physical, and it can be uh, understood matter-of-factly, and it can be quantified, it can be measured, scientists can get their head around it. However, uh, our brain, and I, I just don't even like you to use the term brain, because that, that infers that there's, there's a separate organ inside our head, in our body, that is sort of dissociated from uh, from our body and, and everything else that is happening um, that is sort of coming from our senses and, and all the enteroreceptors and so on. But, um, uh, but, but, but the, the mind part and all of the ideas that we use to make sense of the world uh, are extraordinarily significant and profound and they change our behavior. Uh, and and it's, it, it's important that we um, acknowledge those ideas and, and we find out uh, how they came to be, where they came from, who thought them up uh, and, and, and what languages and how that forms because it, it forms you know, from social interaction. And so uh, when you use a, a term like mind, uh, it, it's a, a concept that's really a bit of a throwback to history that it's somehow separate to the brain. But, but when you use it, I, I interpret it to mean, uh, or in my, in my way of thinking, it's, every, it, it's a recapitulation of everything that you have experienced, like when you're awake. So when we're looking at each other, for instance, on this, uh, this Zoom recording, um, it, uh, I mean, it, it, is, it is as meaningful as it is because of all the experiences that we've had with with people and computers and these ideas that we're flinging backwards and forwards. So um, mind is this uh, unbelievable experience that the brain is creating. And that's that's one of the things we can probably discuss. You know, what what's the brain doing? Uh, we, we can get onto that because, um, you know, the way it works is not, not that there's this little sort of being inside our head that's sort of looking out through our eyes. This, this sensation of reality is actually being created by the brain based on all of the sensory inputs that are coming, coming in there. So have I lost you yet? I might sound a little crazy and, I, and I've, I've, I've mentioned a lot of different, quite, um, quite challenging ideas that aren't necessarily common sense. But uh, yeah, no, this is right on track. So I'm on track with you. And I don't want to go into what the brain does just yet. Can we still go back to the title of your book, mm. how to understand everything? And then you've got the word consilience in your title. 
And listening to your prior podcast, I was actually relieved when other interviewers had not heard of the word consilience, because here I am looking it up thinking, what is consilience? So, and then every email that you would send me would say, wishing you consilience. And so I'm guessing that it means like the integration of something. Yeah. But I don't know what is consilience. It's not a word that I'm using every day. And I want uh, I want to understand it because I think it's profound. <laughs> and why I think it's profound is because when I looked up and I start to understand this definition, I came up with the idea of neuroscience meets social and emotional learning. That's the yeah. podcast, which I think is consilience. I, this is what I think, but yeah. tell me if I'm right. What is consilience and would me merging together two ideas of di two different disciplines be me being consilient with? Yes. Yes. That's a good example of consilience. Yes. That's a good example of consilience. And, and consilience was a word that was coined by William Huell, who's a professor at Cambridge University in the UK, uh, who um, coined it in 1840. He was a a polymath, an architect, a thinker, a cleric, uh, a philosopher of science. He, he was a truly um, multi-talented uh, individual. And his mother was a poet. His father was a woodworker, I believe. And, uh, and, and he coined it uh, from two Latin words, uh, com, which means together, and cilians, which means jump. So pe people interpret uh, consilience as, be as meaning coming to some agreement, and it's not really that. It's the jumping together of different ideas uh, from realms that would otherwise be completely disconnected. And, and I use it in the, well, actually, I'll tell you, I, uh, as it hasn't been used very much, I use it in lots and lots of different ways, which really confuses people. Um, but, but, but the way I think of it is that physics and chemistry and biology have grown together. There's no distinction now between those, those sciences, but it's gone beyond that. Uh, those sciences have uh, be become unified with genetics. I mean, gen genetics is just part of that and the evolutionary biology, which takes you into uh, paleobiology and archaeology, which takes you to geography and, and history and uh, climate change and, and economics and all of the things that human beings do. So I use it um, because I think we're at a unique moment in history now because of the growing together of all of these different disciplines. Um, it enables us to understand what is actually happening in the human brain and how our behavior comes about, what words are, how we communicate, how we persuade each other, how we live together. And that uh, opens up completely different ways of thinking about everything. And, and hence the bombastic title, which I have to apologize for. Um, but, but consilience is a, a new way of looking at the world that is completely different to any one discipline's way of looking at the world. So pre previously, you could look at the world as a physicist or a chemist or, a, um, or, or, or some mystic or a, an educator. Um, and, and, and what I say now is, as we 
have got all these disciplines growing together and that really help us understand the brain in new ways uh, and particularly how the brain understands, uh, it, it enables us to take another look at, for instance, the ways we teach and say, well, actually, you know, is, is that the best way of thinking about children? We've made so many bad mistakes, not only in education, but also in sociology and politics and just uh, the way we understand the way we understand humanity. And, 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 and we imagine that we have somehow our brains have somehow outgrown our biological and tribal dispositions. And um, I, I think the evidence is 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 cut and dried if you just look at, at genetics and, and and cellular biology human brains are, are are extraordinarily similar to the brains of other animals and 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 our brains aren't you know computers sort of thinking logically about stuff our brains are operating in the moment like from from a fraction of a second to fraction as a fraction of a second and and we think that all our behavior is resultant from sort of conscious deliberation but no no self-respecting neurophysiologist actually believes that any longer you know for the last 20 30 years that that uh, just hasn't been a tenable idea uh, our, our conscious mind lags lags way behind uh, our actual moment-to-moment -moment reactions have i lost you yet no, not yet, which is why at this point, when I started to get it, you know, when the lights go on and I think this is brilliant, this is fascinating because when I connected the fact that I, I, I thought I understood consilience and how it was important in the work that I'm doing, how it's important in uh, neuroscience in the schools, neuroeducation, it's the jumping of together of two ideas to look at the world in a different way. And then in your book, you started talking about something that completely blew my mind. There's two examples, but one was you were talking about a sporting event and you were talking about seeing the crowd instead of looking at like who's which team is winning and which team is losing. You were thinking about the crowd, who's going to be happy that their team won and who's going to be upset. And so it was just looking through a different lens, how to see the world in a different way, which is how you made a lot of your money in marketing, right? Is that how you took that idea and created those Labatt's labels of looking at the world in a different way? Is Can you tell that story just to... Sure. I mean, when you're in business and, and marketing, you have to deal with diverse people. Uh, you, you know, they, they're not people who are necessarily educated in the same way, they, they don't have the same background, uh, they might have completely different political viewpoints, but at no point do you, you discount them, you, you, you simply uh, take them as they are, you try to understand them, and you try to uh, communicate using words and, and ways of expressing yourself that they are going to identify with. And so as a marketer, um, I have had a career of talking to massively 
different types of people. You know, I regularly deal with physicians and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, I reg I've dealt with uh, you know, programmers and, 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 and people who are on the forefront of, of various technologies. At the same time, I've sold educational products and I've sold, you know, products that are suitable for, for kids, like toys and so on. Um, and, and, and so consequently, when I observe, for instance, the, uh, the incredible and widening rifts in politics uh, in the Western world, particularly in the United States right now, you probably see it every day, in, uh, in, in Arizona. Um, I, I don't look at one side uh, or the other as being right or wrong. Uh, and I don't think to myself, oh, you know, the blue tribe is stupid or the red tribe is fantastic or, uh, or vice versa. I, I just don't think like that. I try and understand why the, the differences in perspective have evolved. And I, in order to do that, I, I go um, as deep as you can possibly go uh, in, in understanding the, I call it the instant and fluid tribalism of our brains, of our, of our neuronal systems. And it's nothing new. It, it, uh, um, you know, we, if you just look at the human brain and how it works from moment to moment, you realize, and, and you look at it at, at its deepest cellular um, levels, you, you realize that it op it's operating in ex pretty much exactly the same way as, as animal brains have operated for probably at least 500 million years, uh, which is the point where little worms were starting to swim in, in open water uh, in the Cambrian period. And, and so, you know, back then, uh, the purpose of an animal brain was to make instant judgments about what to move towards or move move, move away from, and uh, and if you look at the human brain, we do exactly the same thing. We're constantly uh, uh, evaluating the situation and people around us, and 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 making judgments as to whether they're with us or against us, <laughs> and 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 that, that's determined by the type of words they use. So if one uses a word like who, who knows what, you know, Trump or Biden or whatever, uh, it, it, it has an, an instant effect on the way someone is thinking about you as to whether they're thinking, oh, are you, are you part of my, my tribe or, or, or someone else's tribe? So it, it sounds as though um, I'm sort of advocating for a sort of an animalistic way of looking at ourselves, but that's not really the case. I, I'm, I'm advocating for truthfulness. Uh, and once you understand the way one instantly makes judgments about people and things and words, uh, one can then start to become more introspective and um, more understanding of other people's perspectives. And, 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 and I think that that can affect the way one interacts with people all the time. Absolutely. Does that? Absolutely, yes. And and that different perspective that you see, that you saw that you put on the label, what, what happened with, with the label? Because that was 
a big shift in marketing. I remember I was in Toronto in the late 90s and I remember the the um, shift to those the labels with glaciers on them and i don't even know if i'm saying that right okay i'll i'll give the audience a little bit of background there um so it was around 1990 it was uh, early on in uh, in my company's um evolution that uh, we started to do some work for labats and labats is a uh, it was a large brewery um, and now it's part of who knows um, InBev, uh, al along with lots of other breweries, and and, and Budweiser as well. Um, anyway, uh, Labatt came to us because there was a brand uh, in a, pro a Western Province, British Columbia, that was heading downhill, and it was called Labatt. I'm sorry, it was called Kokanee, and co it, on the label was was a, a diagram of a glacier. Um, because Kokanee is the name of a glacier. And so they talked to us about how to relaunch the brand. And we suggested that we put a real picture, a real photograph of the glacier and the mountain on the label. And that was at a time when, <laughs> and it's going to sound strange, but it was actually difficult to print a photograph um, using this technique called gravure uh, on metallized paper labels and so we had to uh do a lot of work with technologists and artists and photographers and 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 on all of the different disciplines to actually get um a beautiful looking image on this beer label and and also through that process labat spent a lot of money on consumer research and, and that meant dealing with people who were really uh, super sensitive to how you can evaluate people's reactions. And, and that's when I, I became aware that it wasn't necessarily that significant what consumers were saying, it was more significant to see how they were actually reacting. So when they look, you know, when they look at a, a, a beer bottle how do they react do they do they look at it sort of fixedly for a moment or do they look away like they're disinterested and so that so that's, that that was one of the the phases you know in my development where i became sensitive to psychology and the gaps between um i guess the psychology that i was encountering in journals like at york university and uh the, the actual psychology of people who are trying to make money, um, really understanding how people worked. But anyway, um, where were we going with this? So uh, I, I guess I, I guess I included that story about the label because the, if you were, if you were going to learn about what we were doing from textbooks, you would need many many different textbooks. You'd need textbooks on selling art. Uh, writing, film separation, printing, uh, paper making, uh, consumer psychology, and and it 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 would just seem as though that whole process was made uh, made up of a lot of dis dis uh, uh, dislocated silos and 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 sort of disconnections. And and I I recount this 
that scenario because I guess that to, to do it, to do the whole project correctly, there had to be a complete jumping together of all of those different disciplines and silos. And so um, when I look at how, how everything went down and it, it was a, a project we were extremely proud of. It was uh, very successful. You know, when the, the beer was relaunched, it started gaining share. And, and so there was a tremendous feather on our cap. But the way I looked, looked at it and experienced it was as a sequence of micro interactions. So at every point, um, I was sort of the, the account person, I was the sort of the salesperson, I guess you could say. At every point, I had to be dealing with lots of different experts. And it, it would have been, um, it would have only taken one or two instances of me becoming irritable or uh, angry or misunderstanding for the whole project to go south. And so I, I, I recount the story because it was a good example of how there's two ways to look at the whole thing. You can look at it in separate silos uh, or you can look at it how I look at it which is from the bottom up, you know, it was all the tiny little details that had to come together to make the whole project a success. And, and um, we haven't talked about it yet, but one of the sort of the fundamental precepts of, of consilience, or where it leads one is that it, you need to look at the world from the bottom up as, a, as, a, as an emergent system, rather than how uh, it, we we teach and think and 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 how science works, which is to presume that they're pre-existing categorizations and that everything is uh, governed by laws of the universe. So uh, I'm sure I've lost you at this point, but uh, there's a new way of looking at the world, which is bottom up, and and and, and understanding human behavior from the bottom up which is completely uh, different from the traditional way of looking at the world, which is top down. And, um, and, and I believe that we're on the verge of uh, a, a completely new paradigm, which goes way beyond science and spirituality and religion and the difference between uh, mind and, and, and brain and so on. Uh, and, and that, that new paradigm has been enabled through this jumping together of all of these different disciplines. I've really like ladled on a whole bunch of really deep ideas, Andrea. That, so if you're still with me, Tom, fantastic. I am because that is how you were able to achieve what I consider. There's this book called You Squared. And it's about getting exponential growth or jumping your results from one level to out, like blowing it out. And that's what you did. It was how were you able to get it at extraordinary results? It was by doing something completely different. But now you've got a scientific side or angle to it that you can see. It's not just doing something random. You were able to see like you say, the silos of all the things that you needed to connect together to make that project a success. Whereas somebody that did not have that vision would just have done a bunch of random things and might not have had the same level of success. Is that, would you say yeah. that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit different to, 
I think some of the people that you've um, you've interviewed in that I I haven't written a how like a self help book. Um, I, I've got a lot of respect for people who are in the self help industry and, and and the coaching industry, but that's not me. And and also I I never hold myself up as an example of um, how to do business or live your life. I, I have to say that I've been extraordinarily blessed and um, and I, I've enjoyed, still enjoy everything that I do, but uh, I, I, I don't for one moment suggest that anyone uh, uses me as a model for, uh, you know, for how to be successful, whatever that might mean. Well, let's go, let's go into the cells and the biology and the brain, if we could, because in my sure. last interview, um, and I've just released it this morning with Dr. John Leaf, and he did the secret language of the cells, and he talks about the fact that cells communicate with each other, or the fact that a liver cell would carry out specific things in that cell, and there's got to be some sort of intelligence in our cells to know what to do. And then I saw in chapter six of your book, complex critical systems in us. So what have you discovered about their cells and how they organize themselves? And what do you think consciousness is? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll leave the consciousness part out of this one and, and just just deal with the cell thing. Okay. Sure, sure. Um, and, and tie it in with the, the with how people have historically conceived of the, the brain. Uh, historically, the brain has been perceived as being this uh, this ruler, this king, this lord that that um, tells your body what to do and 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 sort of instructs your muscles that uh, you want to walk somewhere or or achieve something. And if you look at actually how the systems work you you realize that 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 leads to some dead ends because uh you know what 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 part of your body is sort of sub, sort of becoming submissive to you know other parts of the body a, a, a more realistic way of, of looking at the whole matter is just to look at the magic that happens in a single cell. And there is so much, there's so much that we know about how cells operate, but there is so much that we don't know and, and still has yet to be discovered. Uh, we, we know a lot about DNA and RNA, and of course we've been reading about that because of the pandemic. And, uh, and indeed, uh, analyzing DNA has become uh, fairly easy. Uh, hence, that's the reason you can get your 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 genome um, figured out and, and and sent to you. Um, but but there's there's also so much else that is happening in the cell that uh, is dynamic and almost invisible, and it's happening so quickly and so reliably that we haven't really started to get our cell, our he heads around it, or scientists haven't really started. To really got their heads around it because um yeah because it's just so tiny and so so dynamic and 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 well, i mean one of the sort of very incredible things is just how dna is torn apart to make two 
to two cells and then four cells and then eight cells. So the, 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 the way I like looking at um, the human body is to say, okay, uh, a sperm and an egg come together and then it divides, divides and divides again. And it divides around 40 times until you get 20 trillion cell, cells in your body. Well, each one of those cells is doing its own sweet thing. Uh, and they are self-organizing and every neuron in your brain is teaching itself. It, it's, 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 it's self-organizing and self-programming. And so your, your uh, interview with Dr. John Leaf talks about this, the incredible systems, if you like, the communication between cells. Um, and 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 I think that's, I think that's a, a better way of looking at the human body, um, and it's certainly a better way of understanding how the brain works because the the brain really is not telling the body what to do. Uh, there are actually more nerves running from your muscles and from your body to your brain than the other way around. Um, that there are more. Uh, uh, yeah, afferent nerves, and there are efferent nerves. So, um, so, so, so it, it it's a it's a complex critical system, and it, and it's a dynamic system, and it, and we're always on the knife edge of moving towards something or away from something, liking something or disliking it, or loving or hating, and 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 so, uh, yeah. So, so to understand how everything works it, it's it's better to look at it from the bottom up and and really it becomes far more magical uh, when you start to look at everything like that because you you realize that um, this notion that there's a little person inside our head sort of controlling everything and, and instructing us what to do is not the case it's actually far more magical uh, in my view than than those historic ideas of a little homunculus, sort of um, a little sort of conscious being sort of perched there in the middle of your head, looking out through your eyes. It, it's, not, it's not like that at all. So what about our behavior? How can we use this, what you've uncovered, to perhaps change habits we don't like or we want to get rid of? What are some actionable strategies that we could, the average person can use with these ideas for maybe behavior modification? I know you say you don't want people to follow your business model, but I think it's a really smart thing to listen to your Labatt story and see how you saw something a different way, a different angle, and that's why it was successful. So what are some ways that we can use this in our lives? There, there are many, many, many ways. <clears throat> and so I'll, I'll just pick on one or two things that might have um, some pertinence for your audience. The, the, the One of the sort of, I guess, traditional ways of thinking about the brain is that it's something like a computer, which is a switching device, sort of going back to some of the early scientists who were sort of conceiving how the brain would work, like Helmholtz, he figured it was sort of a, an electrical system, much like a telephone system. Um, and, and that leads us to this notion that uh, information is um, 
binary and it can be right and wrong and that the, the categories in the world are, are, are predefined and the brain is just sort of manipulating the these labels that we attach to things and <clears throat> i i i think that is so completely wrong that um that it helps to understand how that um perverts our uh, our understanding of how children work and 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 i think this this notion that uh, that the brain is, is like a computer and that you can measure it using this thing called IQ uh, and and I, and I recognize that IQ you know is, is is something that has been is is a is a measure that is well established in in psychology but but I would just say it it tends to make one think that um, that doing the questions that you find in IQ tests is, is what the brain is all about. It, it, it isn't. And, and once you understand actually what the brain is doing, you realize that the distinction between sort of doing math, you know, and you, and you had a, a session about, you know, counting on your fingers um, and making things is, um, is, is it's the same. And, 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 and react and, and relating that to this, this dimensional world that we're in and moving through it uh, and having a sense of the visuospatial re spatial reality is um you know it's what the brain is all about and so uh once you get your head around consilience you, it becomes far more uh easy to understand that every kid is different and there is no frankly there is no such thing as as normal uh, and and I would I would argue that um, that, that judging ki kids' IQ is on the whole doing a disservice to them because it discounts uh, all, all of the other things that um, are so important for um, for a kid to be successful. You know their level of motivation, their level of engagement, their ability to see patterns, their uh, ability to be creative, their uh, their ability to to move and um, to interact with people and to be interested in what people are saying and also to be questioning about everything. Um, you know, there, there are just so many, so many, um, there, there are so many ways that consilience help you understand the reality of, uh, uh, of the, the world that enables you to um, handle it better. Another example I, I would say is, is what we're doing now. Uh, I, I guess a traditional way of thinking about a, a conversation is it some some exchange of information that these things called words are sort of passing backwards and forwards, and I'm I, I'm somehow transferring information to you, this sort of non non material thing, and and I would say once you understand what's how what communications is and the communication is and how the brain actually works uh, uh an interaction like this is is far more um dynamic and in the moment than than we've ever given it credit for and every word that we use uh is is dependent on our mutual understanding of those or, or the, 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 our mutual understanding of, 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 the, of the underlying ideas. And so I'm 
on Zoom, I'm sort of looking at you and I'm thinking, oh, you know, is, is she understanding? Is she coming along with me? Uh, is, is she understanding the words that I'm using um, in the way that I intend them to be used? And so consilience helps you understand conversation as an inter interplay between two minds that's, I guess, a little bit more like, you know, a physical activity like dancing or, 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 or um, cooking a meal together. They're different ways of they're different ways of conceiving just the things that we do from moment to moment and day to day that um, that I, I think are, are extremely valuable. This is powerful. And every interviewer that interviewed you got to the point of it's fascinating. And I did notice that you say it's powerful to every one of your guests. <laughs> <laughs> because I make connections, because I like to make the connections between you and John Leaf's work and John Leaf's work. And you just made your connection to Dr. Ansari in, in what he was doing with the counting and the math. That's, That's right. when it's powerful, because I could have and it was very close to saying, oh, my goodness, I don't understand Tom Beekbain when the, the book came through and said, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this, but you took the time with me. That was the consilience. You said, well, how about uh, an audio book? You gave me all these different ways to get the material. And then I wrote back and I didn't feel bad because what's the point of doing a podcast if there's no learning taking place, if I'm sitting here saying, oh, I'm here to showcase what Tom Beekbain's going to talk about the brain and and I've completely got everything. I understand your book and I'm just going to showcase it for everyone. What's powerful, I think, is to say, I don't know what this book is about. I haven't got it yet, which is Carol Dweck, right? We don't know it yet, but with a different angle. You kept saying, well, try an audio book, try this podcast. And then I heard someone else say, well, I haven't got consilience either. And I felt, okay, well, phew, I'm not so bad. This other guy didn't understand it. But then I had my aha moment of, well, the jumping together of two ideas or disciplines, that might be what I've done with the podcast. Maybe I'm being consilient. Maybe I'm trying to look at the world in a different way and show education. Yeah. So have I got it? it yeah, I'm not going to say yes or no, <laughs> because um, my, my book is, 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 is about personal journeys as well. And, and what my book tries to do is it, tie, it tries to tie all of these different realms together that were previously disconnected. So it... You know, I, I deal with science, I deal with mathematics, I deal with science, science I mean, religion and uh, history and geography and climate change and, and, and anxieties and, and social justice. I try and tie all of these things together because my perspective is that you, as we go through life, we, uh, we shouldn't be treating it as though it's sort of separate disconnected silos. It, it's one experience. And we have one brain that handle, you know, one body that handles everything. And so my, my book tries to pull all of these things together. I, I don't use scientific jargon at all, I don't believe. Uh, I don't use many fancy words. 
uh, at all, and, and unless they're absolutely necessary. But I, I have to say that my, my book is dealing with the most fundamental aspects of how we, how our brains work and how we understand the world, how we understand everything. And it is genuinely putting forward a new paradigm, which is a, a phrase um, used by Thomas Kuhn uh, that, that describes how it's not just a, a new idea, it's a, it's a new foundation for how we think about, frankly, everything. And, and I, know, I know that sounds overblown, um, but, but it means that uh, the more educated you are and the more set in your ways, the less likely it is going to be that you understand what this book is about. So I, I've been absolutely quite fascinated with how different people have reacted to it. Um, and, and I think what's true is that, um, that some of the less classically educated people have actually gotten more from it. That means they might have gone to university or might not, but they, they're the type of people who have um, spent their life reading lots of different books and trying to sort of make sense of everything. And they come across my book and they read it and they go, oh my gosh, I just can't believe what you've done here. And they really get it. Um, one or two other, and, and I've, I've been gratified that one or two um, uh, neurophysiologists and scientists and mathematicians, and you know, I've been gratified uh, um, that they've really understood it. And, and, and confirmed that none of the ideas in the book are really crazy or, or uh, sort of um, not, not supported by science. Um, but, but I have noticed that one or two hyper-educated people, and I'm talking people who have like three degrees and a PhD, um, they, they've just said they just cannot understand it. And I, and I quite understand that because the book is about how we build up a landscape of meanings through our life. And, and, and when, you, when you come across new ideas, you try and um, integrate them into that landscape. Mm. But what I'm saying is actually, consilience is a new landscape. It's a new way of understanding the world. And so it's not surprising that hyper-educated people don't understand it. So when does that I, make sense? It does, and and it makes me feel a lot better because <laughs> I, I didn't feel bad that I I wanted to let you know because you would know she hasn't got it in the interview. So I thought I might as well let him know ahead of time. I haven't <laughs> got it yet, and let's see how much we can get and bring to light some strategies for the people listening. And yeah. so, you know, what, when you once you get it, once you get it, and, and, and um, a number of people have told me that they've read the book three times and, and, and I go, oh my gosh, you know, that sounds awful because I never read a book more than once. And they say, no, no, uh, I, I read it three times because I was getting more and more from it every time I read it. Uh, but but it, 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 it's a challenging, it's a really challenging read and, and I, and I would hope that uh, you can revisit it. And I don't think you'll have a problem actually understanding 
the, the core ideas and what consilience is because once you understand it, everything sort of slots together. You know, uh, I use the metaphor of a, of a puzzle, which is a, sort of a, an old and oft-used metaphor of, of, of what happens in science and what a new paradigm is. You know, you're, you're constructing a puzzle because you see the picture on the front of the puzzle box. Uh, and then you, 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 you get to a point where you, the, the bits don't fit. Well, uh, a new paradigm is where you get a completely new picture. And, and what I hope happens with you, you know, if, if you have the time and inclination, that you read the book again and, um, and you'll find that you, there's a new picture that snaps into focus. And many, many of the puzzle pieces that you've been dealing with, with all of the guests on your various different podcasts, uh, fit together in new ways. Occasionally, you'll come across someone who um, whose ideas don't fit. Um, and, 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 and an example of this is, is that, that interview you just did with John Leaf. I, you know, I, I love his ideas. Um, I haven't read his book yet, but um, I'm not even sure if it's out. But uh, it, 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 the, the, this idea of cells communicating and, and so on just makes so much sense. But I, I do find that when he uses terminology like secret language and information, I sort of go, uh, well, that's not really what cells are doing. They, they don't, they don't, they don't use information. You know, they, uh, they, they interact and they're extraordinarily sensitive to each other, but, but information is, is a sort of a different sort of a metaphor. And, and I would say that it, um, it's a little misleading in some very, very, very deep ways. Um, you know, even, even though I think his core ideas, um, are probably like right on, but, but the met, the metaphors and the way he uses language, I think eh, he, he, he could actually go a lot deeper and, and, and the pieces of the puzzle would fit together, uh, a lot more cleanly, uh, than, than, than he currently expresses. That's why I'd love to have a panel down the line. I've had some people suggest that they'd like to see a, a bunch of different people all in one space. So that might be a thought process down the line. I'll have I'd be up for that. I'd be up for that. That would be fun to have yeah. these ideas. But uh, Tom Beekbane, if anyone wants to learn more about you, what are the best places to find you? Uh, just Google Beakbane, B-E-A-K-B-A-N-E, and, and you'll find um, the book site, which is howtounderstandeverything.beakbane.com. And, and there are various videos that are shown there. Uh, I list all the podcasts, so as soon as you publish this one, it'll be up there. And um, uh, you, you can go to Amazon or Audible and... Uh, uh, download the the ebook and the audiobook or um, order the hardback or the paperback and uh, and I would recommend the the audiobook because it's uh, narrated by a, a, a British actor called Philip Batley and I think he does a, a first-rate job um, with all the accents and all the strange words that, why, um, why didn't you do it with your accent curious. Uh, 
Uh, okay, here, here, here's a bit of a, a strange admission. Um, I, I, I don't think that I'm a, in the least bit articulate. Um, I, I used to be good at reading stuff, but it's, it's a capability that's um, sort of uh, disappeared for me. So um, it, it would have taken me, oh, two or three weeks of excruciatingly hard work to read it and then edit out all of the ums and ahs and, and uh, non sequiturs. Uh, whereas uh, Philip Batley, who's uh, an accomplished stage actor, uh, and he's been on Downton Abbey, uh, and he went to Cambridge University, studied, I, th I, be, I, I think it was sociology and psychology. Uh, you know, he, he he could nail it just right off. He, he read it once, he understood it. Uh, he had some extraordinary insights about the book, and and he, he, he recorded the whole thing, I think, within a week. And, uh -huh. uh, yeah, I just couldn't do that. Yeah, well, I wish I had the accent growing up in Toronto. It was gone after I think first grade, but I wish I had it. It would help me with the podcast with listeners. Is that right? You would think you're more intelligent. <laughs> it sounds it. I love my British interviews. As soon as I find out someone's from England, I'm like, yes, have them on. Tom Beekbane, I want to thank you so much for the time that you spent with me prior to this, just to explain how to understand everything from your point of view, how to explain consilience. I think I've got it, but you're right. I'd like to keep revisiting and make connections because that's what the podcast is about. It's about continual learning. So I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been a, an absolute delight. Thank you. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.